it's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Evelyn. Love. And good morning, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. Thanks so much, Gavin. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thank you for joining us here on KTXW, the Bridge Austin Central Texas Christian Talk. We are building bridges of love and leadership. Well, I am Kathy Endebrock, one of your your hosts on Love Talk, and I'm just thrilled to be in studio today with the beautiful coach, Carrie Brinkater. Uh, thanks, Kath. Great to be here. Beautiful time in Texas as God is working as we lead with love across Texas. I so I am just missing Miss Evelyn, the first lady of love, uh, because, you know, she began this radio program 36 years ago, and we just miss her. I I just miss her wisdom, um, and so we hope to have her back in studio with us um, soon, very, very soon. We did get to chat with her last week, which was great, but on a weekly basis, I just miss her whenever she's not in studio with us because her wisdom is just amazing. That's so true. I mean, it, just coming in and getting to spend that hour with Miss Evelyn, it kind of makes my week. I know. So, but we do uh, definitely will be calling her and letting her know about the program. And friends, if you want to leave a quick message or if you have a question for her, you can find us on FaceTalk or Face uh, <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Facebook. There you go. Facebook on Love Talk Radio. Uh, and you'll know that you have found our page because you will see a picture there of Miss Evelyn Carrie and myself, Kathy Enderbrock, and you can go and uh, send us your questions. We are finishing up this uh, this health series over the next few weeks on health. We have been on this series on health, uh, gosh, since the beginning of the summer. Mm-hmm. It has been an incredible series. We have talked about women's health, healthy dads' financial health, healthy marriages, having healthy conversations, healthy career choices, healthy education choices, mm-hmm. having healthy uh, conversations and healthy outlooks. Oh, my goodness. that um, The program that we did with Nick Vujic on a health the outlook mm-hmm. was incredible. I love that. Friends, you can always go to our archives at lovetalknetwork.com and get any of our past programs. Thanks to Gavin, who takes good care of us and makes sure that all of our programs are recorded and saved. He's just a don't know how we would get along without him. Well, today's topic, which I adore and it's so needed right now, Carrie, is three back to school mental health tips. We are going to be talking about mental health for our kiddos. And I tell you, I feel like I almost didn't, don't even need to give this program an introduction. We generally explain why we choose our (laughs) topics. Uh, but boy, we need this right now. Our Mm -hmm. kiddos need it. I think Mm -hmm. that there was this underlying mental health issue just as we've seen families break down and dads be absent and, and, and uh, you know, fewer people getting married, but yet still children are coming into this and parents not being well equipped and, and seeing our education system break down and not uh, teaching healthy, strong values and, and just seeing so many breakdowns and it's really impacting our kiddos. And I think this culture right now, this this cancel culture, this culture of hate, this culture of divisiveness, it is just ripping our kids apart. And so we're seeing these mental health issues show up. Boy, we saw them before COVID, but wow, we're really seeing them, you know, in this current COVID um, environment. And so we have uh, organized for a mental health professional, a licensed mental health professional to be a guest today. She's amazing, friends. You're going to love her and she is going to be sharing three key back to health back to school mental health tips that we need to know as uh, parents as grandparents as youth how to prepare for back to school to maintain our mental health you know Kath i i have to confess that for years i just i i literally dismissed mental health um I was just busy, right? Like, I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to work. I'm supposed to have these kids. I'm supposed to be able to hold it all together. I'm supposed to be fine. And um, I was for a while, right? I, I was fine. But I think I kind of got to a point where I realized that I was really not taking good care of me. And, um, 
spending enough time, not only in the word, right, to recharge my batteries, but just it, because it seems selfish, right? It seems, I always thought, well, that's selfish. Like, why? Yeah, why would you just, you're, you're spending time on you. That's just selfish. That means you're taking time away from your kids and your family, right? Like, these were the things that rattled around in my head. I never spoke them out loud because I didn't begrudge people who, who were taking time for mental health. But even back to my college days, my college coach, my college basketball coach was kind of ahead of the game. She allowed us to take mental health days. If you needed to take a mental health day and say, Coach, I just can't come to practice today for any reason. It was because you needed to study. You needed to sleep. You you just did not have – you just couldn't do it that day. Um, she, she said okay. And I just – Back then, I was like, I'll never take one of those days, you know. Gosh, I won't miss out on my teammates. And, and, but she was ahead of the game. She was absolutely ahead of the game. And I have learned over the years that if you don't address your own mental health and really take care of yourself mentally, you cannot be good for your kids. And you cannot be your best self for your family. And so I have learned that it is not selfish to take care of yourself mentally. In fact, it is the biggest gift that you can give your family is to give them the best of you because you're taking care of your mental health. So I've made this 180, and I am so thankful that we have our guests today to talk us through this and to guide us through this because it is very, very important here as we start school. You know, I think there's this false perception that if you're having mental health issues that you're not a good Christian somehow. Right. And I think, have you ever read the Psalms? I mean, because King David struggled. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can hear the depression in his thoughts. And, you know, my mom, who's a, a licensed counselor and has been for almost 30 years now, she says, baby, no one gets through this life without battling depression at least once. Well, and I think that no one, that we should all understand that at some point in your life, you're going to need help with something. It might be your marriage. It might be uh, the relationship with your children, the relationship with your parents, uh, relationships in general, whatever it may be. You're going to need help with something. And that's okay. It's funny that you say that. I have an auntie who is, she, and I mean, she, she would be fine for me to share this. It's not a big secret. Uh, she loves Korean TV and Korean okay. film. Okay. okay. And so there is this Korean TV show. You can find it on Netflix. It's called It's Okay Not to Be Okay. Yes. And I think that that says it, friends, and this is what we want to address with you. It's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. But what is not okay is for you to ignore yeah. and cover up and run away from not being okay. Mm-hmm. We want to face it, mm-hmm. deal with it in a positive, healthy way. Uh, because we want to get our feet back on the floor again and be able to say, good morning, Lord, and say, Lord, it is a good morning. And that, I think, is we're, what one of the things we're going to be accomplishing is um, just going after that issue head on in today's program. Well, and I think another aspect to this mental health thing is that I guess in in my own world, I kind of saw it as a weakness, right? Like, I'm supposed to be able to handle things, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. I just kind of had this attitude that I'm supposed to be able to handle it, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just deal with it. Well, you know what? Sometimes we need a different perspective. We need a little help dealing with it. That's true. It's not a weakness. Again, in fact, it's a strength to say, hey, I need some help with this and I want to do this in a, in a way that's beneficial to, to me and my family and those that love and care about me. So it's not a weakness. In fact, it is. it takes a lot of strength to say that I need some help. And so these mental health tips that we're going to get today, I am really looking forward to them. Um, all right, Kath, your girl's been in school for a couple of weeks now. How you doing? <laughs> it, you know, I, I'm excited for them. They all had a great first week of school. 
and uh, they like their teachers. They're getting on well. They, you know, it's always good when you feel capable. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at Baylor, some of Aaliyah's uh, science kind of, you know, those STEM courses are pretty difficult. Like she's doing immunology. Oh, my gracious. And um, uh, organic chemistry, too, almost broke the poor child. (laughs) (laughs) But she made it through. And, uh, you know, so, but, but they both, both Jordan and Aaliyah, and, well, and Faith as well, just feel very capable. They're confident about their courses. They're excited about what they're going to, to learn. And uh, I think, you know, for the end of Brox, it could be the best year yet. Oh, that's, I love to hear that. You know, for me, I think everything is a little heightened this year for me as my first kid is a senior this year. And so I feel like everything's a little more emotional and she keeps being like, mom, really? But I like, just get used to it, sister, because I'm going to feel this way all year. Um, I, I just think she's just so amazing and wonderful and um, I just know she's going to set this world on fire in her own way. And so I just want to be a part of it all and take it all in. And I don't want to miss a thing. And so um, it, it's just a great year. And, of course, Logan's Logan's rocking it. Super proud of him. He's taking uh, some dual credit courses. And, and you know, those are those are difficult, right, because they're college classes. And and so he's, he's just uh, – doing his thing and preparing for basketball season, just uh, just loving life. Well, Kathy, I think it's time to introduce our special guest today, Renee Cameron Hernandez. What you know, so Renee Cameron Hernandez, she is a licensed professional counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist. She is the director of program training for counseling, foster care, and fatherhood programs at the Starry Organization in Round Rock, Texas. She attended Texas State University, received her Bachelor of Science in Psychology with a minor in Forensic Psychology and her master's degree in professional counseling. She is currently a student at Walden University working towards her Ph.D. in counselor education and supervision. And for the last four years, she has uh, been at Starry becoming their training coordinator and later over six years to implement trauma-informed care throughout the Starry organization and the greater community. So we are in good hands today, friends. Welcome to Love Talk, Renee Cameron Hernandez. Thank you all so much for inviting me. Really excited. You are welcome. You're welcome. Uh, Renee, we have a few minutes here before we go to our break. Um, to, in order for our listeners to get to know you just a little bit better, how did you come to know that Jesus loves you? So I grew up in the Austin area, and I went to church kind of sporadically throughout my childhood. It wasn't really until college, my first year of college up in Denton, Texas, Um, I went to First Baptist Church, and that's really where everything kind of came together. I was really privileged to have an opportunity to do some mission work um, in in a different country, which was really awesome. Um, But I think that's really where I started to build my relationship with God and really start to experience the love of Jesus. Oh, wow. Now, where now where did you go to school? Did you go to North Texas for for a little, little while? I went to Texas Women's University uh, for a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, you know, it's it's amazing. We've heard so many stories of, um, you know, with our guests of, oh, I grew up in a Christian home or this, that, or the other. But, Kathy, I've been, frankly, really surprised and uh, just, um, I don't know, my spirits have been listed, lifted by so many of our guests who found Jesus in college. You know, I I just love that because, you know, there's such there's this teaching in the church that says when you send your kids off to college, they kind of fall away and, and fall away from the church. I don't think that has to be the case, right. friends. I mean, we can encourage our kiddos to stay in church, to find a great youth group, to go to Campus Crusade organization. You know, I think it's all about who you surround yourselves with. And uh, I think that when our kiddos go off to church, just to leave them off on their own, uh, we need to, to surround them, encourage them. And, and I, I think that God just loves to get a hold of them uh, when they're kind of off standing on their own two feet. Well, friends, we have some questions uh, for Renee, but we have got to go to break. Renee is going to be walking us through three mental health 
tips for back to school. Uh, you're going to want to stay with us. We're going to get into the meat of this program in our second segment here. But for now, we're going to go listen to a word from our sponsors, these amazing business professionals who keep Love Talk on the air every Saturday. You're going to hear from Tim Smith Landscaping, from Ray Garner Insurance, uh, from Santa Rita Ranch, and Casa Mechanical. You're going to want to get their details and reach out to them. We're going to go for a word from them and we'll be right back with you on love talk right after this and welcome back friends to love talk you've got kathy Enderbrock in studio with the beautiful coach carrie brinkater and we are discussing three back to school mental health tips with our very special guest uh, renee cameron hernandez a mental health professional Friends, I tell you, we, we sure do need this, and, and I want to get straight into this because Renee has so much information to share with us. Friends, I know that you need this, so we'll get straight into it. Now, Renee, we are we are back in school now here in Texas and throughout the nation, and, and there seem to be more tensions and challenges and divisions that our students are so often caught in the middle of. And, and as parents, we need help. I, I need help knowing how to better prepare my kids for stepping into and navigating this, this kind of new challenging environment. So what three back-to-school mental health tips do you have for us today? Thank you. So the first is kind of an overall tip. So this is not just back-to-school, but this is just good practice in general. Uh, and that's to listen. And I know that sounds very, like, obvious, right? I want to listen to my kid. Yes, of course. But really listening. Um, so not having your phone, the TV, you know. As you mentioned earlier, sometimes we're doing 7,000 things a day. You know, we are so busy. But really taking the time to stop, give them eye contact, you know, be just in their direct line of vision and really listen to what they're saying and validate whatever feelings they have. You know, it doesn't mean that you agree with their feelings. It doesn't mean that whatever. It just means that you're listening, you're there for them, and you're helping them uh, know that they have a safe space in you to process anything that might come up. So one thing about listening is that you have to listen to what we call the small stuff to then listen to the big stuff. So your kids may come home uh, teenagers are amazing at this. They come home and they want to tell you the latest drama at high school, right? And it's like, so-and-so did this and that and whatever. And as a parent, you may be like, oh, my gosh, I can't listen to <laughs> them talk about Stacy and John anymore, right? Mm -hmm. But if you really actively listen to them in that moment and you're there and you're connected, then they are much more likely to bring you the big stuff that comes up and be able to come back to you and say, hey, something's wrong, you know, or I'm really struggling right now. So by listening to the small stuff, even when they're in pre-K, they may come home. My daughter's in pre-K. She comes home and she says, so-and-so took my ball on the playground. I give her direct eye contact, right? Oh my gosh, that sounds so hard. You must've been really upset, you know, validate her feelings so that when that big stuff comes up, I am there and she knows it. That's, you know, that's really important. I've, I've found this with teenagers, um, I get bits and pieces, right? And it has to be on their own time. <laughs> if I, if I'm asking the questions, they may not be ready to talk about it right then. And a lot of times uh, before they drove, it would happen in a car where there wasn't an opportunity for me to turn and really stare at them because it was easier for them to just kind of talk about things without having to stare me in the face, right? And so, or maybe late at night, which I'm not great late at night, but I tell you what, when my kids want to talk late at night, I am wide awake and ready to listen because it has to be on their own time. And when they do start to talk, uh, it is very, very important for us to be in that space where we can listen. So I can appreciate this one for sure. You know, and, and I love what you say, like your daughter is in pre-K, yet you're talking now. I think so many times when our kids are are little, we really don't give them that one-on-one -on -one attention. It's, you know, because we're like, eh, any problems that they have are pretty tiny. But what we're doing as we're talking to them when they're little, 
we're establishing that conversation. We're establishing that we do share, that we do talk, that we do care, so that when they get older, talking with us is just a natural thing. Well, of Mm -hmm. course you'd do it. Of course you'd share your concerns with mom and dad and because they, they care. So I love that. Okay. So, um, so tip number one, put your phones down, no TV, Mm -hmm. direct eye contact in line of vision. Let them know there is a safe space to talk. Listen to the small stuff so you can get to the big stuff. I love that. Okay. Okay. Tip number two, Renee. Yes. Um, the second one is to connect. So finding times, again, I know we're super busy, but finding those times to really connect and really carving the space out of your schedule to do that. So if that means, you know, on Saturday, we're not going to do seven things that we were going to do. Maybe we're only going to do five. And then for two hours, it's me and you time, kid, right? Mm-hmm. Like we are just going to connect. Finding those times in the day to connect to each other is really, really important. Um, I would say particularly when they're teenagers. You know, as everyone knows, usually those teenagers is when they kind of become a little disconnected from us. Um, and so finding that really intentional time to reconnect, um, doing things that they enjoy, um, having fun together, relaxing, you know, which is something we don't do a lot of. We are always on the go. So just slowing down and really giving them that space and time um, to connect, whatever that looks like. Um, Another important thing, and I'm going to jump back just for two seconds, um, is always, so we talked about, you know, listening, you know, and that's a way to connect, but also making sure that we're always connecting to their feelings. Um, Because sometimes we get in this problem-solving mode. Mm -hmm. I call it my mom bear mode, you know. My kid says, here's my problem, and I say, oh, here's how we can fix it, you know, and that's my mama bear in me. I want to fix it, but we've always got to validate and connect to those feelings first, so if they come home and say, my teacher is so frustrating, they don't get it, I don't, whatever, you know, I'm having all these problems, instead of immediately going into that problem-solving mode of like, oh, well, you need to talk to the counselor, you need to talk to your advisor, you need to do this, you need to do that, Instead, just pausing for a moment, connecting with them and saying, that sounds really frustrating. That must be really hard, mm-hmm. you know, and then maybe you offer those little bits of advice, but making sure you're connecting to them first. You know, I'm really struck by what you're saying, Renee. Um, you know, I don't think I did a great job as a parent when they were little of really identifying their feelings and helping them to understand you know, what their emotion was, you know, are you frustrated or are you sad? Are you angry? Are you uh, bewildered? You know, whatever it may be. Are you confused? And so I think sometimes helping them to identify what, what they're really feeling, that emotion is helpful as well whenever we're listening to them. And I, I don't know, maybe this is more, I don't know. I feel, I see this more in my son, like, I think he kind of manifested things in a in a a way, maybe silly way, whenever he was frustrated with something. And so instead of really talking about what he was frustrated about, he might have acted out. And so is that something that, that you help uh, people understand is that, you know, feelings and emotions are really important and they have a name? <laughs> Absolutely. And in the counseling world, this is not my catchphrase, but it's something we use a lot. And we say, name it to tame it. Ah. Right? If you can name the emotion, you can tame it. And so sometimes just saying, that sounds like you're anxious, mm. you know, and for a person that didn't know that, sometimes that's enough. You say, oh, there's a name to it, right? Then that yeah. means I'm not alone. Other people have this feeling too, and they get through it. I wonder how, you know? You know, and I I think back to, like, all of my professional years before I had kiddos. I had kiddos a little bit uh, later in life because I I wanted to earn money. It's so bad. And, you know, I was kind of validated on career, and I was a little bit of an overachiever. And one of the things that I had used in my professional career was the Myers-Briggs type indicator. And, you know, I was just so fascinated by how God had created people with distinct personalities, but yet there were still these commonalities within them. And so with my kiddos, 
I, even when they were little, I was so much like, okay, I wonder what their MBTI would be. I wonder what it would be. (laughs) And so I would ask them, so if they would have a problem, I would say, well, how, how do you think it would be best to address that? And then depending on what would come out of their mouth, it would give me so many insights Mm. because... You know, my littlest one, not my littlest one, my middle one, Jordan, she would always say, I'll just forgive them. I'll just forgive them. You know, and it it was just she she didn't like conflict. She just wanted to forgive the person. Mm. She wanted to have it behind them. But my youngest, Faithy. (laughs) I'm laughing because I know what she probably. Yeah. Okay. She's a little fiery. She was a lot more fiery. (laughs) Let me just tell you, she was not interested in forgiveness. Okay. And so I loved hearing from them before I would offer them solutions. I would say, well, how do you think it would be best to address this? And it was amazing to me sometimes when their their solutions were better than what I would have even thought of. And yet it, it was just so fun because it also made them feel a little bit grown up that, you know, and it made them think about how to get, how to get on the other side of this. I mean, was, was that a, you know, I guess it was more of an experiment on my part, but it was, it was fun. And in the end, I think worthwhile. Yes. I love that. I think that speaks to giving your child voice, right? That you're not limiting them by what you think should happen next, but instead you're turning it over to them. And I could see how that would be very empowering Mm-hmm. For them to think, not only do I have a parent that listens and cares, but I'm also my own person, and I get to make choices, mm-hmm. and I get to run them by my my safe space, my parent, you know, and, and they can exercise that voice. So I love mm-hmm. that. You know, you're right about the connection, about that, the second mental health pit, tip, the connection uh, with teenagers, especially, you know, their schedules are a little crazy. And um, I know Kathy has busy teenagers as well as I do in their social lives and their work schedules. And so before school started this year, my husband and I told both of our kids, look, you will take this day off and we are going to do something with you on this day. And they were both like, okay. And, uh, you know, we let them choose what they wanted to do and we gave them several, you know, options and uh, just put some things on the table. And so we ended up going to an amusement park, which they love, all the roller coasters and everything. And it was so fantastic. Uh, just to spend a whole day with them and night. I spent the night in a hotel. It was fantastic and it was fun and they were relaxed and they, it was just so nice to connect with them without having to worry about their social calendars and their jobs and all of that. That connection, the older they get, I think has to be super intentional, right, Renee? That's right. Absolutely. And it can be. So I love, you know, whenever I can get away with my child. And like you said, like we went to uh, amusement park also this summer and had so much fun. But you can also do this day to day, you know, Mm -hmm. in the five minutes you have before breakfast, you know, talk about something they're interested in. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of teenagers and their parents have like inside jokes. You know, it might be things that teenagers may roll their eyes at, like, oh, my gosh, my parent, right? Right. But remember those things, and they really feel connected by them. So, yeah, having those little rituals throughout the day um, or throughout the week of, you know, we always eat dinner at the table. We always have a snack after school. You know, whatever, even if just five or ten minutes a day. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, if you can get away and have that really connected, that's amazing as well. Okay, I love so tip number one, uh, listen with a capital L, (laughs) I might say. (laughs) Tip number two is connect. You're carving out that space in your schedule, being purposeful about that. What is our tip number three for back-to-school mental health? So during your whole introduction, I was smiling to myself because you guys were touching on this one constantly, and I was like, okay, this is going to be good. They're going to like this. Um, So this one is managing your own stress. Um, so oftentimes, as you all were sharing, uh, we focus on our kids, you know, how are our kids doing? How are they doing? And sometimes it can feel selfish to then turn that inward and say, how are we doing? What do I need? Mm-hmm. Um, however, doing that, giving, doing that self-care, practicing that self-care is really amazing for our kids for several reasons. So one, they're going to look to us for how stressed they should be. If we're stressed, you can bet our kids are stressed. 
Um, if we're having a hard time with X, Y, Z, you can bet they're having a hard time with the same thing. Also, whenever you practice that self-care and they see you do it, um, you are modeling for them what it looks like for them to practice self-care. Um, so we're not just always, you know, we always take care of other people. That's amazing. We're, sh we're showing them how to take care of other people. But when we take care of ourselves, we are then modeling how they can take care of themselves. So it's really important to have whatever that looks like for you. Again, I know we're busy, but five to ten minutes here or there to meditate, to pray, to exercise, to eat good food, you know, just to take a couple of breaths, to not overcommit to things, and then we're very stressed out. Um, to really unplug sometimes can be really good self-care because sometimes we just have too much access to really traumatic things, mm -hmm. um, whether that's in the news or social media or whatever it is, like kind of reducing our access to those things so that we can really manage our own stress and our own personal well-being, which will then impact our kids positively. Mm. We do, we, at our, at our dinner table, the one thing we've held onto uh, is a nighttime dinner and we have no toys, no technology. So, mm -hmm. so over dinner for that hour there, uh, you cannot have them touching your body or even within reach, no toys, no technology. And so when they were little, um, it, again, you could not bring Popo the snow bear <laughs> right. to the dinner table with you. Ours was the blanket. The blanket, yeah. okay. <laughs> and, you know, you couldn't bring the, the truck or, you know, whatever. And so, you know, if Popo was hungry and he did want to eat, you would have to prepare him a plate. You'd have to set it up, make sure it was everything. And he would be a guest at the dinner table, but he would not sit on your lap. He would sit, like, separate. <laughs> and so we have no toys, no technology, and it's really helped us have good, dinner table conversations um as we've as we've gotten older so i i love that is that we need to manage our own stress practicing mm -hmm. self-care so that we can model to our kids how um how they need to also take care of themselves now renee you know i, I think that when we jump into this we look at mental health tips i think some of us at, at times find ourselves into in situations that we thought how on earth did we get here mm -hmm. Can you help us to understand, um, as we're more effectively engaging with our children, what maybe warning signs can we look for that might tell us, hey, there's, there's a problem here that needs to be addressed? Mm -hmm. And it's a great question. It's a very complex question because, of course, all children are different. Anybody that grew up with siblings or you have multiple children yourself, you know it is sometimes night and day. When you look at your kids, even though they were raised, you know, pretty similarly, they, they're just different. And so a lot of times people want like a prescriptive list. This is the list of warning signs I need to look for um, to know if something is not right. But really what it is, is really being a tool to your specific child, knowing what is not their normal. Um, so sometimes we have kids that they are more introverted and they do isolate because that's where they get energy. Right. And so there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if that's what they need to do to get energy. That's what they do. Um, but if it's something that's out of their normal, something that they don't usually do, and you've noticed a shift, that may be a time to kind of, you know, um, really look into, that, you know, ask those questions, have conversations um, and start to, to think more in that in that area. Also, of course, if kids ever talk about, you know, harming themselves or not wanting to be here anymore, things like that, which kids sometimes do go through that. And that's definitely, of course, a warning sign at a time to reach out uh, mm. for help. You know, mm -hmm. now I just, I want to take advantage of having you on the program because I know that you are a marriage therapist as well. And I kind of have this um, theory that if there are any problems in a marriage, they are going to come to a head when your kids become teenagers. Because I say this because, you know, Eric and I, we kind of went through that, you know, after you get over the that honeymoon period and working out all the differences, and we kind of got through that. And then our, our marriage just, like, it was awesome until our kids hit their teenage years. And then it was like this constant stress, always an issue to deal with, and they needed our time then more than ever 
and and I you know I saw my sister's marriage completely broke break up after 15 years when their kids became teenagers and they just had these totally different perspectives about how to deal with them how can we shore up our marriages so that when they start to really hit these teenage years that um or or how can we be proactive in their younger years so that their teenage years aren't so hard so a few things come to mind um one the proactive piece so having those conversations with your spouse with your partner about you know what do you think about this if this happens how would you handle that you know so you have some time to really discuss that before the wheels are falling off, right? Mm-hmm. And in the midst of those teenage years and everybody's stressed, everybody's tired, you know, you're running from place to place. You're, you're not communicating as much as you used to. So having those conversations early and just kind of thinking about if this happens, then what? And what do we agree on? What do we not agree on? How can we problem solve? Those kinds of things can be very, very helpful. When you're in the midst of those adolescent years and really any stressful time. So I've also seen marriages have a really difficult time during the pandemic because everybody is more stressed. So anytime you introduce extra stress, then issues can happen. Um, but I think we can actually go back to this list that I uh, that we just discussed for kids, but making sure you're listening to each other, you're validating each other's concerns and feelings, even if you don't agree, you know, but it's like, I hear you, I see you, I care about you. Let's talk about this. Let's come mm-hmm. to an agreement. Um, and finding the time to connect. So as you said, this is like the time when you are the busiest, um, but you need to carve out that time to connect to your partner as well um, because they are really your teammate, you know, and you need to be connected to them, and life will be easier the more connected you are. Um, and so that's just a few things. Well, I think that's great advice. You know, our daughter went through some pretty significant health issues that were were tied to some some mental health issues that she was going through. And during that time, um, you know, I was the one that was really dealing with all the doctor's appointments and all the things, and I felt super disconnected from my husband. And it was a really uh, difficult time in our marriage because I kind of shut him out because I thought he didn't really care. You know, I, and I hate to say it like that, but because his personality is completely different than mine, he showed the way he cares in a completely different way than I do. And I didn't, you know, I didn't recognize that. And, and so it was really difficult, right? And we had to really work through that time as our daughter got healthy. And he and I had to work through that because I had a lot of feelings of like, like I was angry at him. Why was I angry at him? You know? And, um, and so anyway, I get this because, It's personal to me, and I get this, and and that listening and that connecting is so very, very, very important. Renee, we have a couple of minutes left in this segment. You know, current research shows that one in six school-age children, about 16%, age 12 to 19, are on some form of psychotropic medication. This is pretty high. You know, and a a high school counselor um, said that, uh, you know, these local high schools, this student body, it's probably higher than that. It's more like two two out of every five students, like 40%. Why are so many of our kids on these mind-altering medications? So there's a few things, I think. Um, So in my work as a therapist, I've worked with primarily with children and families, And I've found that number to be quite a bit less, Um, but that's just in my experience. Usually parents will try everything first before they go to medication. You know, they want counseling, they want coping skills, they want to, you know, work on parenting skills, like all of these things. And then kind of as a last resort, they may turn to medication. Um, But what, so there's a couple of reasons why it's more common. One, we are better at diagnosing kids. We, not meaning me, because I don't diagnose, but, you know, primary care physicians and psychiatrists are just better at diagnosing. Uh, We have more uh, variety of medications, so we can treat more things. So there's kind of like more options out there for things like this. But also, and probably most importantly, is kids are very, very stressed. We live in a very, very stressful time for kids. Um, You know, I can think back to being a child, and I didn't deal with half that kids deal with mm-hmm. these days, right. um, anxiety, you know, and, and it comes from all over. You know, it's not just having access to social media. It is that, 
because then you have things like cyberbullying, right? Now you can be bullied by hundreds of kids instead of, you know, the one kid or two kids at school. Um, you have access to that secondary traumatic stress, you know, as they're watching the news and we can actually see videos of very bad things happening and that can affect the brain. Um, so there's all kinds of reasons why kids have more depression and anxiety. Um, and then you couple that with just more options for treatment and better diagnosing and things like that. And I think that's, that's how we get to where we're at. Mm. You know, I, I, one of the things that I want to discuss with you is how we make the call as parents between handling situations ourselves and getting a professional involved. Where do we draw that line? But we are going to be going ahead and, and going to our break. I can't believe we're already through our second segment. We have one segment left, friends, and this is a big situation. What can we handle ourselves and uh, when do we need to get a professional involved? And, Renee, we're going to come back from our break, and we're going to put that question to you as we be- begin to wrap up three back-to-school mental health tips on Love Talk. We're going to hear from our sponsors, and you're going to want to stay with us, friends. We'll be right back with you right after this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Love Talk. You found the love ladies. Coach Carrie Brinkader here in studio with my co-host, Kathy Underbrock. And today we are discussing three back-to-school mental health tips with licensed professional counselor, Renee Cameron Hernandez. And, oh, man, we've, we've already discussed so much. You can, If you've missed our last couple of segments, you can find them on lovetalknetwork.com. Um, all of our archives are there. You'll want to go back and review this. They're just such great mental health tips for all of us, really in any stage of life, um, as we navigate relationships and as we look at our own mental health and the mental health of those around us. Okay, so we talked about listening, connecting, and managing our stress, Renee. As parents, you know, there's a lot of times that we see things that are going on with our children, and we're concerned, and we address the issue How do we make the call as a parent between handling a situation ourselves in-house with mom and dad and the child and getting a professional involved? How do we know where to draw the line? How do we know how to proceed? Great question. So all kids are going to be sad sometimes, right? That's totally normal. That's totally healthy. All kids are going to have anxiety sometimes. They're going to feel nervous. They're going to have, you know, anxiety about certain things. All of that is totally normal, um, just part of development, part of being a human, right? Um, However, if those things, so if those, you know, if those depression symptoms or that anxiety or whatever it is, if those start to impact their daily life and their satisfaction with their life, then that's usually a time when it's it's a good idea to reach out. Sometimes, too, it's just as a parent, you don't know how to handle it. That's okay, too. That's a good time to reach out. Sometimes you need that objective third party to look at the situation and really use, you know, the our prefrontal cortex, right? Um, mm-hmm. Not to sound like, you know, a nerd or anything, but to use the logical side of our brain and not be so connected with our emotions mm-hmm. um, and really problem solve things. So I think those two things, if things are impacting their lives daily and they're not able to enjoy the things that they used to enjoy, you've seen like a big shift in their behavior and what they're doing. Um, Or if you as a parent are just like, I don't know what to do here. Um, I think all of those are great, great times to reach out. Wonderful. You know, my daughter said to me at one point, uh, she said, Mom, I don't. I don't really want to see a counselor because I feel like I can just talk to you about these things. I feel like I'm just regurgitating what I talk to you about. And I say, baby, that is, I, I understand that. I hear you. But I am not fully equipped to help you take the next step. I don't know what that might look like for you. And so even though you don't want to really see a counselor, I think that it will be beneficial to you. And, you know, sometimes as parents, our kids are going to push back a little bit, right, and and say that they don't think they need help. Um, but I'm so glad that we went ahead and sought that help for her. Um, and I, I do think that it was beneficial, but I did appreciate us keeping those lines of communication open between her and I um, during that time as well. So at, if we as parents believe that we that our kid needs help, 
What services are out there for parents for parents and children, Renee? So actually in the state of Texas, in all 254 counties, there are programs for free counseling for kids and families. Oh, wow. So Starry does that in 31 counties in Texas. We kind of reach from Round Rock is our most southern point. We go all the way up to Wichita Falls and all the way over to McKinney. Um, and so that's what we offer in those 31 counties. But in every county, there is a phase program is what they call it. So um, uh, family and youth success. They've just recently renamed it. So I have to remember. Uh, but if you look on the prevention and early intervention website, then it details all of those different programs in all 254 counties. So you have that available um, to you for free. And so, how do we how do we find those? What do we Google? I'm a so Googler. You can, <laughs> yeah, so you can Google prevention and early intervention, um, or starry.org. So that is our website, and it details um, all of our offices. So we have eight main offices, and then we have so many satellite offices, too many to count. Um, and of course, right now we're also doing virtual counseling too. Um, and so you can look on our website to find more information about that, as well as our other programs. I'm not sure if you wanted me to highlight those now. Yeah, sure. sure. Okay, thank you for that. Um, so we have a fatherhood program in McLennan and Bell County. We specifically focus on um, dads for that program, which is really fun. It's a really great program. Um, dads can come together and kind of meet each other, and they can also get support. They can get counseling. They can get parenting classes, those kinds of things. And then we also have foster care and adoption, which is just in Central Texas. Um, and so super love our foster parents. Um, we are currently searching for more foster parents. So if God has ever put that on your heart um, to possibly be a foster parent, you can sign up for an information session. Um, just go to starry.org again, and you can get information about that. Um, definitely need foster parents. We need more foster parents in general in the whole state of Texas. Um, but at Starry specifically, we're looking for um, foster parents that will take older youth um, and sibling groups so that we can keep siblings together. Mm -hmm. Those are the two needs that we have the hardest time fulfilling. Um, so, yeah. I love what Starry is doing. And so, friends, that is Starry with two R's, S-T-A-R-R-Y dot org. And you can get all of that information there. Yeah, Renee, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us. I want to ask you just personally, what is your greatest hope that keeps you going and loving others when the day is long and the doors seem closed and your strength seems insufficient for the task at hand? So I love my work. I love what I get to do every day. Um, I think as a therapist, we often don't get to see the fruits of our labor, because change takes a lot of time, you know, and um, people move on and go out in the world, and we don't really get to see what happens. Um, but being able to plant those seeds and just be a kind, caring person in the life of a child, even for just a little bit, um, that really gives my life meaning. I really love that um, aspect to my job. Um, and I think just being involved with a program that's really driven to um, create healthy forever families for kids, you know, making sure that they feel safe, uh, giving parents the tools that they need and want um, to be the best that they can be for their kids. Um, I think that seeing that growth and that love and that care, you know, I think that really keeps me going every day. I love what you said. Change takes a lot of time. Let's choose to change for the better. In this health series, Renee, we've been saying that, you know, anyone can make a day worse. Let's choose to make the day better. Let's make the day better for ourselves. Let's make the day better for our, our for others. We want to get healthy mentally healthy, physically healthy, spiritually healthy. Just thank you so much for every everything that you've shared with us, all the insights. Again, friends, you're going to want to share this program with others. You can go to lovetalknetwork.com. And, Renee, if someone wants to get a hold of you specifically, I know you said that they can go to starry.org, S-T-A-R-R-Y.org. Is there a way that they can get a hold of you more specifically? Yeah, so actually on that website, it lists my contact information along with the rest of our leadership team. 
Um, so it'll, I would say my email address, but it's really long. And so um, I would go to that website. I ha- it has my picture. You click on my picture and um, it has everything there. My phone number as well. Wonderful. And that, friends, is Renee Cameron Hernandez. And you can find her at starry.org. Wonderful. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. I mean, it's just been an, an incredible. Do you have any uh, final parting words or words of encouragement for our listeners? I just appreciate the opportunity. Thank you guys for inviting me. And um, I think that the message that you all shared today is wonderful. I love the idea of making someone's day better uh, rather than making it worse. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, too, just reminding ourselves that we all have a common goal with kids. We all love our kids and want to protect them. And so even when things are seem very div- divisive, as you guys mentioned at the beginning, um, we really all have a common goal. You know, how we approach the goal may look different, um, but when we're in those moments of divisiveness, I think it's really helpful to just remind ourselves that we're really much more similar than we are different. Um, and our, our goal and our intention is for the good of our kids. And so really reminding ourselves of that. I love that, that it's in those moments, friends, there are moments, those special moments in all of our lives. And this is the one thing that we all need to remember is that we are worth far more in God's eyes. And there is no one that we are going to connect with, that we are going to lock eyes with that Jesus does not love. He loves each and every one of us, Mm -hmm. friends. And if you're wondering how you can have a relationship with him, it is as simple as A, B, C. You admit that you are a sinner, that you cannot do this without him, that you need his love in your life. You believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died on the cross for your sin. He paid the penalty of death for your sin and that he rose again on that third day to offer the free gift of salvation to everyone who would call on him. And then you confess your faith in Jesus Christ. You set him as Lord over your life and you begin that relationship with him. You can open God's word. You can look through the book of Romans, friends. I will tell you, start at Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 23, And you just go from there. And if you want to read some special love letters, go to the book of John and read the book of John from the start through to the end. We love you, friends. You can email us or you can call us on the love line at 512-249-6535. You can find us in our archives at lovetalknetwork.com. And I have just thoroughly enjoyed this program. I'm going to be sharing it. <clears throat> Sorry about that. With 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 my friends, with other friends, we'll be posting this again on our Facebook. Let us know uh, for coming into the fall what you would like us to cover in our fall series at Love Talk Radio. Uh, that's that's if you go to Facebook to Love Talk Radio, you can find us there. It's been a great Saturday morning. I'm Kathy Endebrock. Have enjoyed this time with Coach Carrie Brinkater. We will look forward to being with you again, friends next Saturday at 10 a.m. 